Hi there, this is the podcast for Word of Life in Bentonville, Arkansas, and this is episode number 17. In this episode, Pastor Bill Rogers is continuing his series on knowing God. I know in this series you will be blessed, you will be encouraged, and you will want to live a life further after the things of God as you know Him more. Check this out. Let me tell you a clue to answered prayer that I've, through my lifetime, had to remember, go back to. A couple of weeks ago here on Sunday morning, I think it was Shelly that asked if you have a need, just come up, and people lined up across the front of the building, me included. Because back about the 1st of December, I'm not quite as strong as I think I am. and I lifted something much heavier than I should have lifted. And I pulled the muscles in my forearms right here. It was very painful. It did get me out of a lot of work. You know, I could use that for an excuse. And so about the 1st of January, I'm thinking... I. You know, I'd prayed for myself. About the 1st of January, I'm thinking surgery. And so whenever I came forward that morning, I just said, Lord, I thank you for healing. Next day, it was worse. Two or three days that week, it was worse. And I just kept trusting God. I just kept saying, it's mine. I received it up there, and it's mine. And uh, I'll just tell you that yesterday I've done some things I've not been able to do in a couple of months. It just, uh, just thank God for healing. So, you know, when you pray prayers like this, I'd kind of like to see it all happen tomorrow. How about you? But you just keep standing in faith. I mean, what God has promised will come if we just stand in faith. I mean, say amen. Amen. 21 days of prayer will end this Thursday, but hopefully you've developed a habit that you'll carry on the rest of your life. Also, we're reading through the New Testament. You read five chapters a week, Monday through Friday, one chapter. Throughout the year, you will read the entire New Testament. And of course, anybody can read one chapter a day, five days, just five days. As a matter of fact, tomorrow we'll begin with Matthew chapter 12, if you're wanting to know, if you're wanting to catch up and know where we are. When I was 38, 39 years old, I'd never been on a vacation, really. So I took my family and we went on our first official vacation Uh, Vanessa was talking about their vacation this past year. I guess I've been thinking back. And we were going to the Grand Canyon. They went to the Grand Canyon this past year. We were going to the Grand Canyon. And I don't know, I think Albuquerque or somewhere along there. We we were in New Mexico on I-40 anyway. And there there was a storm... Uh, There was actually ice, hail, 
and ice piled up about a foot deep. And it was about the end of June. It was so bad that it created a mudslide, and there's a tractor trailer, semi trailer parked off of the interstate, and they they stand up quite high off the ground, and it was filled with mud and ice that slid down under that. People were pulling off the interstate; they were afraid. We pulled off and went down through a street down into town, and. Uh, <clears throat> We were hungry, and so we decided that we would try to find some place to eat while we were off the interstate. We're driving through town, and we see this restaurant that might have been a Mexican restaurant. I, don't, I believe it was. Probably Jose's or something like that. It was real hard to see. They were remodeling the building. I thought it was probably not much, but I hadn't seen anything else. And so we go in. Oh, they had a sign out front that said Prime Rib. Special today is Prime Rib. I love Prime Rib. So we go in, and I eat Prime Rib that day. I can tell you where the best place in the world is to get a Prime Rib. It's that place. The best ever. Now, I know some of you are sitting here and you're thinking, yeah, but you need to try. No, no, I don't. No. There's no arguing. This is not up for debate. The best place in the world to eat prime rib is that place. Recently, we went to a Mexican restaurant in Springdale. We'd never been there before. It was great food. It tasted somewhat. Now, let me tell you where the best Mexican food in the world is. It's in Uruapan, Michoacan, Mexico. They are street vendors. They will fight, for, fight each other for your business. They holler at each other. I don't know what they're saying. They're speaking in Spanish. Probably best that I don't. And you sit down at kind of a picnic table. And they start cooking this stuff and mixing it up for you, whatever you order, they, right there in front of you. The best in the world. Can we go this afternoon? <laughs> Am I making anyone hungry? Are you thinking, I wish you'd hurry, Pastor Bill? We need to go to lunch. I probably won't be too long. But that's exactly what I wanted to do was create a hunger. I want to create in you a hunger to know God. I've been talking about knowing God these weeks. The main thing I want to do is create in you, in me, a hunger to know God. To know Him. <clears throat> hunger will cause people to do drastic things things seen, we've seen lines you've probably seen them on TV the internet in some nation that was three or four years ago in an African nation this tribe this group of people they had walked across desert they'd walked across just bare land not hardly anything there but brush looked like a lot of thorn trees and I forgot how many miles they had walked simply because they heard that there was a refugee or a camp or something set up where they could get food. 
Hunger will drive you. I want to create in me. I want to create in you a hunger for God. Because if I create in you and I create in me a hunger for God, if we go after him, we're going to get him. Now, if we just come and, you know, well, hurry up and get through this, you know. Let's, let's do our songs. Let's get through the sermon. Let's, come on. We got to go. Now, we're not going to hold you long today. Don't get me wrong. I mean, if the Holy Ghost falls in this place and you're slain in the Spirit, you may be here till dark. I don't know. If I'm slain in the Spirit, I may be here till dark. If I'm not and you are, you probably get up and I'll be gone. So, But if you hunger for God, you're going to find Him. You'll take drastic measures I used to work for a man who said, he was a great cook, by the way. He said, I could start a restaurant. I could open up a restaurant on the backside of Beaver Lake out in the, out in the woods. And within a month, I can have it where people are standing in line to get in. I believed him. He was that great a cook. I want to tell you, when you hunger for God, you'll go stand in line. I stood in line in Pensacola, Florida. I stood in line other places simply because I heard. And even standing on the parking lot of that church in Pensacola, Assembly of God Church in Pensacola, I forgot what that area is called, but that Assembly of God Church, I stood in line for three, four, five hours. And the presence of God was on the parking lot. And when they opened the doors at 6 o'clock, service started at 7, we started, the closer I got to the building, the more I felt the presence of God. Now the next time I went, it wasn't near, I went there twice. The next time I went, the trip was not nearly as long. You know why? I knew where I was going. I knew what I was going to experience, a powerful move of God. And so let me say to you this morning, that same God that was in Pensacola, he's here. If we hunger and thirst for him, we're going to find him. Yeah. The Lord spoke to my wife recently and said, I can be found. I can be found. Let me tell you, God can be found. And if you ever experience God like I'm talking about right now, you will never be satisfied with the world. You'll never be satisfied. I meet people sometimes and they talk about their Christian experience and all of that. And what, I, what I'm thinking sometimes is, but if you ever really get a hold of God like I have a few times in my life you will never forget it you'll never get away from it he's a powerful God Philippians 3.10 that I may know him we talked about this a couple of weeks ago and then know him on three levels the power of his resurrection the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death 
knowing him on three levels. Last week I talked about the rewards of seeking him, Matthew 6, 6. When you pray, Jesus said, go into your secret place. Go into your room and shut the door. And the Father will see you. He'll see you in secret and he'll reward you openly. I talked about last week the rewards of seeking him. The reward, real rewards. I'm not talking about toys. I'm not talking about something you, he gave you for Christmas or you got for Christmas and the new wore off soon. I'm talking about real rewards. Real rewards like a true deep conversion of the heart. One of the most blessed things I've ever received in life is a true conversion of the heart. Number two was a growing devotedness to Christ. There it is. It's the hunger for Christ. And then a powerful equipping by the Holy Ghost. Acts 1.8, you shall receive power. You spend time with God in a secret place, you're going to get filled with the Holy Ghost. Number four, a complete peace and joy. A peace that passes all understanding. Number five was his abiding presence. His abiding presence. Lo, I am with you always. You are never alone. God is with you. You just have to acknowledge that. You just have to know that. If you just kind of, again, if you just kind of drive down the road and your husband or wife or somebody sitting there and you don't ever pay any attention to them, you want to enjoy their presence. But if you ride down the road or you sit in your house or you sit on the pew this morning or the chair this morning and you know that God is in this place and you know God is living in you and you know God is sitting next to you, let me tell you, that's his abiding presence. When you have his abiding presence, you don't worry about anything the devil's doing. Because wherever God is, the devil sure ain't there. I mean, say amen. And I want to add this one. I want to add this one. A reward of seeking him is knowing his voice. This past week I was in a meeting with uh, some other, at least two or three other people from our church. And there was a small group of, of people at a breakfast meeting. And in this meeting was was a man named Brian. Brian is the dean, headmaster, I'm not sure what his title is, of one of the oldest Bible schools in the United States. Maybe the oldest Pentecostal Bible school in the United States. And he said that whenever their students come there, they tell them up front, they tell them up front, and they keep reminding them, when you leave this school, we want you to know how to hear from God. We want you to know. If you don't get anything else here, when, we, when you leave, we want you to know the voice of God. Because up to this point, they've been told what to do. Parents, school teachers. Then even when they go to that Bible school, somebody there tells them, 
you know, do this, don't do that, on and on, leads them. But he says, whenever you leave this Bible school, you need to know how to hear from God. He's the perfect guide, by the way. I mean, say amen. The perfect guide. He will lead you in places. He'll lead you in places that nobody else can take you. But you have to know the voice of God. Every decision that you make, every decision that you make, you can have the voice of God speaking to you about it. Now, don't get flaky on me. I always think about a flake that I met one time. She said she won't put her clothes on in the morning until God tells her what to wear. Well, I didn't ask God what to wear today. I'm not, talk, I'm not talking about flaky stuff, but I'm talking about real decisions in life. Let me tell you, there'd be a lot less divorce if we talked to God before we got married. There'd be a lot, lot less trouble in life if we'd talk more to God and listen to him. I mean, say amen. Just listen to him. Learn to hear his voice. By the way, he has never shouted at me. It's always that still, small voice. It's that little, you know, I don't know how to explain it any other way, but have you ever taken a feather and tickled your nose with it or had somebody else tickle your nose when you were asleep? That's the way the Holy Spirit speaks. It's just that little, it's just that little flicker on the inside. When I say I'm going to do something, that little flicker says, no, don't do that. Now, sometimes he speaks in other ways, but most of the time, that's the way I get it. It's that little knowing on the inside, knowing in my knower, Brother Hagin always talked about. When you know in your knower that something is right. I've made decisions in life, some pretty big decisions. And I've had people tell me that's not the right decision, but I knew in my knower it was right. And when you know in your knower, you know, sometimes I'd like to go back and say, I told you so. You know, being the smart aleck I am, I would like to sometimes say, I told you so. But we need to know the voice of God. I mean, say amen. But today I want to talk to you about who is God? Who is God? Beverly and I first met. We done a lot of talking on the phone late at night. Go get her and drive around. She'd come to church and I'd take her home. On and on. We talked, 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 talked. I didn't know I could talk so much. And I won't say anything about her talking, but we got acquainted. I mean, no, you need to get acquainted with people. You're going to marry somebody, you need to get acquainted. You want to get to know people, you ask questions. You get them to talk about themselves. She would talk about herself. I'd talk about myself. I do this. I like this. I don't like that. On and on and on. This is what's ha- This is my life experiences. We got to know each other. <clears throat> so who is God? 
We have policemen in our, in our church. You know, when you pull somebody over, I want some identification. I want to know who you are. I want to know who God is. I'm going to tell you from his word this morning because he identifies himself. He tells you who he is. In Genesis 1 and 1, simply says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. First of all, God is a creator, a creator. Everything you see, God created. Everything. The heavens and the earth and everything that's on the earth and in the heavens, God created it. He's a creator. But I want to I go a little deeper than that. Well, first of all, let me read you. I don't think I gave them these scriptures. I want to read you from Psalms, the book of Psalms, chapter 95. For the Lord is the great God and the great King above all gods. and In his hand are the deep places of the earth. The heights of the hills are his also. The sea is his. For he made it and his hands formed the dry land. He is a creator, isn't he? A creator. Jeremiah says 32, something similar to that. He is a creator. But then I want, I want to go a little further. And I want to give you, I guess these are Hebrew names of God, Jehovah. This is who he says that he is. He, he self-identifies throughout Scripture. And I put, I gave them the, the, uh, the Hebrew names, and I don't know why I've done that, because um, if you don't know the meaning of the word, it doesn't mean much, but I'll give you the meaning. In Exodus chapter 15, verse 26, they're at a place called Merah. They've just come out of Egypt. They need water to drink, but the water is bitter. And so they cut down a tree. They threw the tree in the water. It made the water sweet. And then God said to them, I am Jehovah Rapha, the Lord who heals. Listen to me plain. God is a healer. We, we probably all know of experiences where we say, well, God didn't heal. But let me tell you, straight up, never doubt it, God is a healer. Doctors can do wonderful things. Medicine, hospitals, we thank God for them, don't we? But let me tell you, healing comes from God. I don't care how great your surgeon is, he cannot heal. He can help in the process, but he cannot heal. God is a healer. Tell your neighbor, God is a healer. As a matter of fact, why don't you do this? Why don't you tell them, God is my healer. My healer. My healer. He is a healer. Deuteronomy 7, he says, I will take away sickness. I'll take away sickness. 1 Peter 2.24, by whose stripes you have been, have been, have been healed. Psalms 91, boy, this is a good one. 
for 2020, no plague can come near me. Tell your neighbor, no plague can come near me. No plague. No plague can come near me. God is a healer. As a matter of fact, we're going to pray right now for some people. So, Lord, I just lift up. You just agree with me right now. I just lift up Tracy Rosenau, John Adams, Mary Hughes, Bonnie Vines. You think of somebody else, just call out their name. Come on, call it out loud. Just call it. It's okay. You don't have to do it one at a time. Just do it all together. If you can think of a name you're praying for, just call that name out. God will hear that name. And Lord, right now we claim healing, miraculous healing in their bodies right now. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Lord, we thank you for restoration of bodies. We thank you for healing of bodies right now. You said, I am the Lord that heals you. I just said to this congregation, you are a healer. Lord, you will, you will not lie. You said you were a healer. We claim healing in Jesus' name. If you're watching online, take, claim, that, claim that prayer for yourself if you don't feel well in your body. Anything going on. Lord, we thank you that you're our healer. You are a healer. Let me, let, me help you, let me help you by identifying God and telling you who he is this morning. He is a healer. As a matter of fact, he is the healer, the only healer. I mean, say amen. amen. Exodus 31, verse 13 and some of these names, I'll pronounce them the way I learned them. If you learned otherwise, uh, get with the program. <laughs> Jehovah Makedish, the Lord who sanctifies. God said in Exodus 31, you're going to be different. I'm going to set you apart. That's what sanctification means. Consecrated or set apart. You're going to come and worship me on the Sabbath. Once a week, you're going to set aside one day just for me. Now, there's some, there's some, uh, uh, a little bit more guidelines to this in the New Testament because one day is just the same as another to God. So he, but what he wants is he wants you to take off time, take out time from your busy schedule every week to go and worship him. And he said, I'm consecrating you and I'm setting you apart. You know what sets us apart in this room? One of the things that sets us apart from the world out there is we're in church today. Your unsaved neighbors ought to know on Sunday you're, or whenever you go to church, I don't, care if you, I don't care if you worship God on Saturday, and he doesn't either, by the way. But your, your unsaved neighbors need to know, come your day of worship, you're going to go to God's house and you're going to worship. You know why? Because you're consecrated. Because you're set apart. You're different. You're not like the world. And by the way, it's, been a pro it's proven that if you will take off one day a week and rest and worship God, you'll live longer. People, if you take, if you take people who go to church weekly versus people that never go to church, they, on average, they just live longer. 
Why? Because they let their body shut down, their minds uh, shut down or at least slow down. Don't, don't shut them down. <laughs> I've seen some people that their minds were shut down. and Anyway, you don't want to go there. But it's healthy for you if you'll take out time to do that. It's healthy for you. He washed us, 1 Corinthians 6. He washed us and sanctified us. Now, Romans 6, 14 says, now sin has no dominion over us. Why? Because we're consecrated to God. Am I capable of sinning? Of course I am. You are too. But sin has no dominion over me. Aren't you glad for that? Sin has no dominion over me. I'm on my way to heaven. I'm on my way to heaven. I'm going, and there's nothing the devil can do about it. I'm not going to go back to following him. I'm just going to follow Jesus. And by the way, you know, I, now I, I come from a real strict upbringing. And every time you've done anything wrong, except gossip, you could gossip all you wanted to, but then you were on your way to hell. Not so. Not so. If you're doing something you shouldn't be doing, stop it. Stop it. You'll have a, it'll make you have a worse life here, but doesn't necessarily mean you're not going to heaven. And all of God's people said, Jehovah Shalom, the God of peace. Who is God? He's a God of peace. He made, made peace. Jesus became our peace offering. In the Old Testament, you can read about many places you can read about. They brought peace offerings. That wasn't to make peace with their neighbors. That was to make peace with God. Why? Because there's a wall between, in, it, it, until you're born again, and especially back in those days, you, there, was a, there was a wall. You couldn't go in to see God. You couldn't go in and visit with God. You couldn't come near to God. Only a high priest got to go once a year. But Jesus tore down that middle wall of partition. I mean, say amen. He tore the curtain. By the way, when he, when, he, when he died and the curtain in the temple was torn, it was torn from the top to the bottom. And I believe, if I'm not mistaken, just going by memory right now, but I believe that curtain was 18 feet tall and it started at the top. You know what happened? An angel come and ripped that thing in half and took it, took it out of that temple. You know why that happened? Not just so that God can come to us, but we can go into God. You can enter boldly into the throne room of grace this morning. I have peace with God. I am not at war with God. I'm not struggling with God anymore. God's not mad at me anymore. God's not out to get me anymore. I mean, say amen. He is our peace offering. I have peace with God. He is the God of peace. He is Jehovah Shalom. The God of peace. Philippians 4, 7, it keeps my, this God of peace keeps my heart and mind. If you don't have peace in your heart, you need to meet Jehovah Shalom and have peace. Jehovah Shammah, the Lord who is present. Psalms 46, 1, a present help in trouble. A present help. The Lord who is present. To be present is to be there, to deliver and to defend. He's a present help with me, with you constantly. Jehovah Shammah, 
Jehovah Jireh, our provider. Genesis chapter 22, Abraham is taking his son to the top of Mount Moriah to offer him as a sacrifice, he thinks. He gets him there, and the wood is laid out, the offering and the wood, and everything's ready, and the son says, Isaac says to his father Abraham, everything else is here, where's the sacrifice? And Abraham, Abraham prophesied a powerful thing. God, God will provide the sacrifice. God will provide. As a matter of fact, that mountain, Mount Moriah, is right where the temple was built later where animal sacrifices Animal sacrifices were carried out for centuries, for years, for thousands of years, actually, in that temple. And not far, very far from there at all is where Golgotha is, where the ultimate sacrifice was made. God will provide. God said to Abraham, I see that you would not withhold your son. And you know what happened? He's in covenant relationship with God. And so whenever he was willing to give his son as a sacrifice, it obligated God to offer his son a sacrifice. That's what God was trying to do. He was just trying. He just, he just needed an agreement on earth. By the way, God don't need your stuff. God don't need anything like that from you because he can provide for himself and he can provide for you. He just wants you to be willing. I mean, say Amen. Be willing. Jehovah Jireh, our provider. God will provide. Philippians 4.19, he will supply all of my needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. I think we have a new couple of, well, fairly new, last couple of years maybe, people in the United States, the wealthiest people in the United States. I think two of them are well over a hundred billion dollars. You have over a hundred billion dollars. You don't have a clue how much money you have. You can't count that far. You can say it, but you don't really know how much it is. But I can tell you, they're poor folks compared to my God. I mean, say amen. Yeah. Yep. He feeds the sparrows. He feeds the birds every day. Of course, Beverly and I help him with our bird feeders. We like birds. He feeds the whole world every day. I mean, say amen. He's a provider. He supplies our needs. You have a need, talk to God. I'm telling you who God is. God is all of this. Jehovah, Rohi, Rohi. I thought this was the last one. It's not. It's the Lord, our shepherd. Our shepherd. Psalms 23, 2 and 3. He leads us in green pastures. He leads us beside still waters. He restores our soul. He's our shepherd. Our shepherd. Sheep know their shepherd's voice too, Jesus said. My sheep know my voice, and they won't follow anyone else. I want to know his voice. Back to, back to that Bible school, Dean. I want, to know, I want to know how to hear the voice of God. I want to listen for the voice of God. 
People can lead you astray. Satan will definitely lead you astray. I want to know the voice of God. How about you? Amen. He leads us in green pastures. He leads us beside still waters. He restores our soul. Oh, Lord, sometimes we need our souls restored, don't we? Amen. And then Jehovah Nissi, our banner. Our banner. He gives us a banner, our sign over our life, a sign of victory and authority. Jehovah Nissi. So let me just ask you today, what does your banner say? Sometimes I'm sure by the look on my face, my banner may not be very pleasing to God. But how many know we ought to always walk in victory? We ought to always have a smile in our, on our face and a twinkle in our eye. We ought to always be pondering the good things of God, not CNN or Fox <laughs> or Facebook or anything else. We need to be pondering the goodness of God. I've heard many people say in recent times, I'm going off of Facebook. I'm not listening to politics anymore. That's a great, great decision to make. I mean, say amen. Because all that'll do is put this banner over you. You look like warmed over death when all you're doing is listening to that. I've looked at myself before and I thought, boy, you're ugly enough. You don't need to be down the dumps over what's going on. People, ungodly people are carrying on in these United States. Everybody said amen. amen. Do you know him? Jeremiah 29 says, if you seek, seek him, you'll find him. I hope we're learning in these 21 days to seek him. Do you know him? Do you know him as a Savior, Lord, Master? Do you know him as your Father, Protector, Provider, Counselor, Comforter, Helper, Guide? Psalm 62 says, He is my rock, my salvation, my defense, my strength. 27.5 says, In time of trouble he shall hide me in his pavilion. 63.8 says his right hand upholds me. That's who God is. That's who God is. <laughs> well, wasn't that a great episode? If this episode has meant anything to you, if this podcast is ministering to you and speaking to you, helping you live a life more after the things of God, then we'd appreciate your financial contribution to help us continue to do this. You can go on over to our website at WLFAR.com and click on the Give tab and contribute to what God is doing here in Northwest Arkansas. I can assure you, you will be blessed.